0: When we fail, we give up. Now, is there processing how we are to be restored? Absolutely, but ultimately, the result of our failure is giving up. Why? Because it's easy. It's easy to give up. But if Christ did not die on the cross for you and I, right, right, we would all be sunk. God had to do. Why didn't he just, theologians would say, why didn't he just save himself on, on the cross? Because he did something that needed to happen in order for us to own our failure and own salvation. He died for us. So, so we see that when we reject counsel, we, we earn our failures, but number two, we earn our fear. Look at verses 21 to 26. Our failures always lead to fear. In fact, I want you to see how Paul provides hope in this situation. He goes and he says this, men, you should have listened to me. Now, some of you, if you grew up like me in a Hawaiian household, you know, your parents tell you what to do. And, you, and you know, you don't listen to them because you, you get more out than your family. Amen know that no okay but that's the reality right here's the word i would always hear when i would fail after not listening to my parents i told you so you remember those words i told you so i told you but i want you to see the difference between how we would say that to our children versus to what paul does paul is the game changer here we only see paul say the i told you so one time See, for a lot of us, we're going to hang on, I told you so, for so long. That's why somebody cannot get restored. You're always bringing back to pass what you did wrong. But I want you to see what Paul did. Paul said, I told you so, and he was power. What he did was after he said, I told you so, he began to share the gospel. Look at this. He says, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail for Crete and incur- incurred this injury and loss. Yet now, here you go. You ready? He's power ready. Yet now I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. He goes on in verse 23. He said, For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong to and to whom, whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you and all those who are with you life. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. What is Paul declaring? He's declaring this, man, this is what the gospel says. This tragedy, this failure, this fear is perfect. Why? Because Paul got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's your issue. Your issue is not your next door neighbor. Your issue is not the person you're talking on social media bad about. The issue is the storm. Who is the storm at times in our life? It's Satan. Satan, he comes to steal, kill, destroy. He's the adversary. He comes to make you feel like you're not good enough in all sense are far from Christ, you're not good enough. But in all reality, in Christ, you're perfect for Him. Why? Because sinners can see Jesus in their failure. That's the joy of the gospel. That's what you must understand. If you're in a situation where you are failing and you have fear because of your failure, there is hope. It's found in Jesus Christ. You cannot come to church and hear all the truths of the doctrines of grace and miss out on this one very truth. You are a failure that deserves death, but God in his son has rescued you from the bondage of sin. That's the glory of the gospel. That's the glory. Even if you have not clapped by what I said, it's still truth. Because it's not a popular message to tell people that they deserve hell. We deserve it. I deserve it. God makes us deserving for Jesus. That's what failure does. And it's so real Paul addresses the sin and moves these men forward towards redemption. Most of the times when we fail and when we fear something, it's our natural reaction to run from it. I know it. In the church, when somebody is in known sin, the one thing they do is cut them off from fellowship from the church. They, start, they stop serving. And then when they stop serving, they stop coming Why? Because they see a wrong picture of the gospel. No, when you are in it, listen to me, think of the ship as a church, right? When you're in it, you're not alone. You have 276 people in this ship in it together. And what the devil wants to do, like with Eve in the garden, he wants to isolate you. And the worst time for you to be attacked by the devil is when you're isolated. It would have been good if social media never existed for Christians, per se. Because I see more Christians using social media as a crutch than as an opportunity for the gospel. Listen to me your circumstance does not define who you are in Christ, the gospel does. Yeah, it may be reality that you're experiencing crap right now, but that's your reality for God's glory. You need that reality so that in that reality, you can be desperate for a holy God because only he can free you from that. You need that. Here's the biblical truth. Most of the time, the things that we want to run from are the very same things that that would bring us salvation. Stay, remain, bloom. These guys were screwed up royally. Think about it. Everybody on the ship, they lost hope and were tired and they were hungry. And you see brother Paul, the prisoner, stepping up, right? Out of all the brothers that could have stepped up, the captain, the centurion, right? The one that stepped on is the one that didn't, they didn't listen to. He steps up and he provides encouragement for them. And here's a life application for all of us. Every circumstance is an opportunity pro- to proclaim the message of Jesus every circumstance i've had youth at my house every day this week pray for me they eat all my food so much so we got to take them out to eat because no more food right number two they're immature right Uh uh number three some of them stink worse than others right that's three i mean that's, but here's the joy of it listen to me like the people in the ship we have an opportunity to share jesus with them whether by food whether by deed whether by the gospel we have opportunity man i was like man thank god all these people and you have women here and girl and guys here and they both at each other you know she called me a monkey he called me a bud what is this Right? We we learn how to live life together, even the words we are saying. Right? Like everything I told you about being a complementarianist, we don't get it perfect at Ohana Church, but that's our goal. Like, like, like that's what happens when we're in the ship. We gather together to understand fear together, we gather together to understand our failures together. We gather together, why? So that we can understand life at its core, and that's I am completely an idiot. And Jesus needs to remind me about that. And that's what storms does in our life. Storms changes us from the inside out. Uh, I love what what we see the application of Paul, right? Paul's nature and manner. Why do you think Paul responded differently? Paul could have said, "I I told you so, 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 right? In fact, he just says it one time, but he changes the mission. He says, this is why we need to be here together. He shares the gospel. I want you to see why he lived that way. J.D. Greer says it this. You'll never give up your life in radical obedience to God until you are radically assured of his radical commitment to you. Who, indeed, should have 50 hues in there, right? Only confidence in God's commitment to you will inspire confidence in your commitment to him. Now, I know we don't like the word commitment in the church. Because that's what I hear from every believer in Jesus that say why they cannot be committed in the church, right? So, man, I got this going on, this going on. Here's the reality. In fact, when you come to our church, we don't ask you to join anything yet. We ask you to fill it out first, right? Now, we do say if you've been here for six months and you're not serving in any capacity, this may not be the church for you. Because you sure have already got it already. Okay? All right? So that's the reality. You know, that's the reality of our deal. But here's the deal. Let me listen to me. The reason why our theology and our churches are poor is because of this very statement. We are not assured that God is committed to us. Paul says it. I have faith that the God I worship and the God I serve will keep his promise. But we don't live that way here. We live based on what we bring to the table versus what God has already finished on the table with his son. I want you to hear me clear. Your commitment means nothing to God. That's why he came to die for you. Because your commitment would be nothing. And what God does in his sovereign grace, he shows and he displays his commitment by what his son did on the cross, what he did in the burial, what he did in his resurrection, so that our commitment would not be defined by what we bring to the table, but what God does. That is so freeing. That is so freeing. I know the word commitment gets a bad taste, but from a gospel point of view, our commitment should always be the result of God's initiated commitment to us. That will be a change. That will be life change. John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven, this is Jesus, not to do my own will, but the will of who? Him who what? Sent me. That is the word. God didn't, Jesus came to do the will of the Father. This was a genuine relationship, all right? If you love somebody, like truly, you're going to be crazy for that somebody. Like, you're going to be like, I am not a romantic kind of guy. It is what it is. I don't open doors for women, okay? I don't, like, do all the fancy stuff that you better brothers than me do and all that. I'm just not wired that way. And all that, but when I first dated Lane, right? I wanted to know. I wanted to. I wanted her to know. Hey, I'm going open this door for you, bro. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm going open this. Hey, here Let me. And 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 like my youth had to correct me too on how I opened it, right? I guess I was blocking the door trying to open it and then moving. You know, and like it's bad when a 15-year-old boy is telling a 24-year-old guy how to open one door for one girl. You know what I'm saying? And all that, But I wanted to demonstrate. I'm learning. I wanted to learn. All right. And that should be like all of us. Our commitment to God is a willingness to learn. Can I get a witness, right? Willingness to learn. Yeah, we got, you got, we're not a perfect church. I mean, we, we got people still learning how to run the sound, and we've been four years into it, and we still learn how to run sound, right? Willingness to learn shows God's commitment in our life. A willingness to learn theology and methodology and philosophy of the church is a willingness from God in our life because we understand that God is completely committed to us. Therefore, the result of his commitment to us is my commitment to him. It never works the opposite way. It can't work the opposite way. And lastly, when we reject godly advice, we, f- we earn our faith. This is what I'm saying. This fate is more defined as the outcome of the crew's rejection to Paul's advice. We earned that storm, guys. They didn't have to be in the storm, but we've earned it. I want you to see our, our remaining verses says that the crew were out of out on sea for 14 days and some men were about to jump in their lifeboats and sail away but I want you to see the shift in the story Paul tells them to not do this or else they will lose their lives and watch what happens they finally take Paul's advice why because they learned their lesson this is what I would say if somebody don't like listen to your advice I say this in a godly, humble way. You guys ready? Let them go. Let them go. If somebody doesn't want to listen, and you've done all you can to share the outcome of their pattern of life, let them go. Listen to me. I am so confident on on God in this church anymore. I'm not worried who's going to show up, who's not going to show up anymore. The first two years was rough for me really because i was a people pleaser i wanted everybody to be here but listen to me my goal is not to make a big church my goal is to be faithful with preaching the gospel of jesus christ god will do what he does with that okay and here's the deal parents let them go your son 20 something years old your daughter 20 something years old no like listen let them go why if you keep them you're just sinning just like them they have to experience their folly they have to experience their failure and they'll be like the prodigal son who comes back and say man i i get it now I get it, I deserve this penalty, I deserve this storm, I deserve this ride. This is is the beauty of the gospel. Though we earn our separation from Christ because of the fall of man in the garden, God does amazing things with the proclamation and declaration of the gospel that Jesus redeems fallen people. That's the joy of it. Every one of you that I know in it know we have fallen. We deserve God's wrath, and God would be just to send every one of us to hell today. But in his sovereign grace, God does what we cannot do, what we cannot earn, and that's give us his son. I want you to see the clarity of what happens when this ship finally listens to Paul. Here's the clarity. Verse 33 and on. It says, As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food having taken nothing. Therefore, right, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. Imagine being on the boat dark as heck, right, for fourteen days. Verse 35 says, And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of, of it all, he broke it and they began to eat. Listen to these words, saints. You cannot miss this without the gospel being clear. Look at this. Then, after they ate, they were all encouraged. They were all, feel the weight, 14 days on a ship where. The wind is controlling everything. There's no star in the sky. It's dark. It's cloudy. They are without food for 14 days. And probably the reason why they couldn't eat the food that was on there, because they were being tossed, and the water could have defected the food. So you saw the storm calming down. All right? And they finally got to eat after 14 days. Kind of cold, would snap, missing a meal, Hines, Right? But I love that word. They were all encouraged. I don't preach to you every week to divisively hurt you on purpose. I preach to you so that you would be encouraged. I want to tell you the truth, and I want you to know the truth so that the truth will what? Set you free. And free indeed. Now listen to me. I don't want you to miss this point, but... We are no different. Listen to me. We can point the finger at the centurion and the ship. But guess who do you think that ship and the crew is? Ohana. This is not just an illustration for them. This is us. We are the ship. We are the crew. We all want to do it our own way. We all want to lose on hope. We have earned, just like the ship and the crew, we have earned every aspect of our damnation. Every one of us deserve death, just like this crew for not listening to godly advice. We are guilty. Every one of us. But I want you to see this game changer. I want to see these verses, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 2. And I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged by what these verses say because Paul is in prison and he's about to die and he writes to the church of Ephesus and he reminds them of the gospel and he says this and you were dead in the what? trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of what? disobedience this is satan verse 3 among whom we all not not some right we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath everyone like the rest of mankind everybody say that one word with me in verse 4 but that's a big but right there us gonna be Are You guys ready? But God. Who being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By what? Grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 8. He says it again. Help me out. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. I love these next words. Listen to it clear so you understand it's not about you. He says this. And this is is not your own doing it is a gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may what boast and here's the clear picture this is Paul right here this is us right here for we are his what workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should what walk in them let me give you some theological definitions it's not on the screen, it's on our app mercy is defined as not getting what we deserve God being rich in mercy as the text says we don't get what we deserve what do we deserve? hell, punishment damnation grace, we've been saved by grace is the opposite of mercy grace is getting what we don't deserve what what do we get? A relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. What is faith? Listen, listen to be clear. Faith is operating in what we don't deserve. Faith is operating in what we don't deserve. Because faith is a gift just like grace. And number four. Love is defined and displayed. Through Jesus Christ. How? Death on the cross. His burial. His resurrection. Here's a biblical truth the gospel, though it exposes our sin, it provides redemption through Jesus Christ. And through Him alone, we are encouraged. Be encouraged today let go all these American Christianity that you've used to listen to the last few years and listen to the true gospel you deserve punishment we deserve punishment but God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins so here's how we should respond as a church number one encourage your family with the gospel I don't know if you guys still do it but we we eat around the table a lot our family not just on Sundays or Saturdays We do it most of the nights, all week. We eat around the table. Why do we eat around the table? So we can share the gospel with each other. Last night we had our youth over, and we do a Sabbath dinner once a week, a couple times a month. And what we do is we observe the Lord's Supper. And so we got to do that with them and tell them, like, like, church is not just Sundays. You are the church, saved by Christ. Lord's Supper, the communion should be in the households as well and the Bible says as as often as you observe the Lord's Supper you recognize me to the day I return number two encourage three friends this week with the gospel that's the hardest part you're going to have because this is the gospel you're going to teach I promise you oh Jesus loves you uh uh Jesus hates you your sin Jesus hates sin There is no love apart from identifying sin first. Then what you can say? Jesus loves you because your sin was paid on your behalf by his grace. See how honor that is? Give me a G. We're going off script.